Has anyone ever been able to explain why the surveillance videos from convenience stores and banks and other places, why they are so grainy and unintelligible? You know, it'll come on the news that authorities are asking for help and in identifying the suspect who, who arrived at the convenience store on Carmack Boulevard. And they, they show the video, and I, that could be Bigfoot or the abominable snowman for all I can imagine. You can't, you can't make out the picture. Right? It looks like they could do a little better about that. But what they're wanting to do, of course, is give you the basic description of the, of the suspect so that you can help in identifying this person. So they might say, you know, he's, he's six foot tall, approximately 180 pounds, you know, he's got blonde hair, you know, he was wearing torn jeans and a red shirt or whatever, you know. And so they give you a, a basic description of the person who's be, who's, who's, who's to be identified. Well, we want to follow that procedure this morning, and we want to do it, obviously, about things that are very important, our spiritual lives and service to God, and so what we want to do for a few moments in our lesson this morning is look at identifiers concerning a godless man, a person who does not care about God, versus a godly man. We're going to be looking at a couple of psalms in order to do that. And the first of the psalms that we want to look at, as it describes the godless man, is the, is the one that, let me get back here, we want, to, we want to look at the godless man in the text that Damon read for us from Psalm 36. So we'll start there. Let's stop for just a minute to say thanks to everybody for being here this morning. We're glad that you have come. We appreciate our visitors today. We want you to know that. We hope you'll come back whenever you have a chance to be here. Uh, our, our aim and our ambition is to simply worship and serve God, do His will His way. Seek Bible authority for all of our teaching and practice. And, and so as we're doing things this morning, if, if, it, if a question comes up in your mind, if something that you see or hear doesn't seem to ring true, by all means bring that to our attention. We'll sit down with our Bibles open and come to a conclusion about that matter. But our ambition is to serve God His way. Thanks for being here this morning. So look again quickly at Psalm 36, the first four verses, as it describes the godless man. Transgression speaks to the ungodly within his heart. There is no fear of God before his eyes, for it flatters him in his own eyes concerning the discovery of his iniquity and the hatred of it. The words of his mouth are wickedness and deceit. He has ceased to be wise and do good. He plans wickedness upon his bed. He sets himself on a path that is not good. He does not despise evil. Let's just look at those phrases and get the description. Remember, we're looking for identifying characteristics of the godless man. Obviously, the reason why we would do that is because we don't want to be that, right? So we're pointing these descriptives out for the sake of avoiding this. The first point is transgression speaks to the ungodly within his heart. And so I would argue that what, what this fellow is doing is he's making his own rules. Uh, I'll do as I please. Whatever my heart desires, transgression speaks to me. This is what I like. I will live by my own rules. I, when, when you hear that description, probably what comes to mind first is the, the morally corrupt and the very wicked people of our modern day. There have always been bad people. There certainly were back in the times when David wrote the Psalms. 
There's certainly a lot of bad people today. And, and so we would say that this description probably fits the very horribly wicked people of our world. They make their own rules. Transgression speaks to them. It's what they like. These are the kind of people who, in, in Psalm 12, verse 4, it says, they have said to themselves, with our tongue we will prevail, with our lips Uh, Our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? We don't have a master. No one is over us. We will do as we please. So again, certainly the the very morally wicked and corrupt people would fit that description. But I'll tell you, that description also fits a number of other people. Even people who who would present themselves as religious to us. But they're determined to do what they want to do and not submit to what God tells them to do, even in matters of religion. They make up their own rules. That's godlessness. And we need to identify it as so. The next phrase says, There is no fear of God before His eyes. He's not concerned for this divine approval. He, he doesn't care what God thinks about Him. There is no fear. I think the word fear here very much is the idea of being afraid of punishment. You know, we talk about fear having two possible meanings. And I think it pretty clearly in this context, there's no fear of God before his eyes. He's not afraid of God. He's not fearing punishment. Uh, in Psalm, excuse me, yes, Psalm 10, verse 11, he has said in his heart, God has forgotten, he hideth his face, he will never see it. Uh, and so he's just not afraid. He doesn't fear that God will punish him. Of course, we know that that's absolutely wrong because we understand that God, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good, Proverbs 15, verse 3. And so we, we understand that, that God is watching and we should be afraid to be discovered by him. But look at the, the very next phrase. It flatters him in his own eyes concerning the discovery of his iniquity and the hatred of it. He, he doesn't think he'll be found out. Uh, he doesn't think that he will be discovered. So he's not afraid of God and he's arrogant, thinking that he can do what he pleases and he'll never be found out. Other people might be discovered in their evil, but I won't be, he says. You know, I think a lot of, a lot of people in the world, uh, imagine themselves this way. They're not really afraid of God. There's no fear. And they're not concerned about being discovered in their evil. So here's a husband who decides that he'll cheat on his wife. But he, he's not afraid. And he's pretty sure no one will ever discover what he's doing. Or uh, here's, here's a, a teenager uh, who has been tempted and has yielded to the temptation to smoke marijuana. But he's pretty confident his parents will never find that out. So what would you say about persons who have this? They're not afraid and and they think they will not be found out. They arrogantly assume they'll never be discovered. Well, this psalm is saying that those are the characteristics of godless people. Godless people have that sort of a view. The next phrase says, the words of his mouth are wickedness and deceit. Uh, This godless individual says only that that serves his own interests. 
uh, if a lie seems to serve his purposes, then he will lie. We all know the old joke, how can you tell if a politician is lying? And the answer is, if his lips are moving, he's lying, because that's, that's so ingrained in the political process, and we assume that all politicians are liars. But I want to tell you, sadly, all of us probably have known people and had interactions with people who are just constantly lying, and you can't trust their words. Uh, get this, again, a godless person is a person whose word can't be trusted. If you are such an individual that people can't trust what you say, then you have fit this descriptive of a godless individual. And obviously, that has to be avoided. Remember the famous text in Proverbs chapter 6. We won't take time to read all that, but Proverbs chapter 6, beginning verse 16, it talks about six things the Lord doth hate, yea, seven are abomination to him. So God, there's some things that God really hates. You know, one of the seven things listed, it looks like, you know, it looks like if you could list seven things that God hates, they'd be, you know, murder and rape and, uh, you know, grand theft. You know what one of them is? A lying tongue. One of the things that God hates is a liar, a lying tongue. Uh, and we need to remember that. Godless individuals, you can't trust their word. We need to avoid that. The next phrase says, He has ceased to be wise and do good. Uh, There's just not really anything commendable about this individual's life. He has no reason and he really feels no motivation to pursue things that are good. He just doesn't care to do good. He has ceased to be wise and do good. Doing good is just not on his radar screen. He doesn't care. And so he, this godless individual is not the kind of person who would help a neighbor in need. The godless person is not the kind of fellow who would make any effort to feed the poor. He's not interested in assisting sick people. Those things, just, he just doesn't care about those because his mindset is basically what's in it for me. What will, what's to be gained by me if I do these things? He has no motivation. He's not interested in any worthwhile endeavor. If you were to be, and I think you probably know some people like this, write a list of all the good things you know that they have done. Uh, I can't, well, I can't really think of anything, right? Uh, that's a, that would be a sad story, wouldn't it, if they were to say that about us. The godless person is void of worthwhile activity. We know that we should be concerned with doing good. James chapter 1, verse 27 says, Pure religion and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit the father and widows in their affliction, to keep himself unspotted from the world. A godless person even plans wickedness upon his bed. He plans the things that he can do that are evil. Even in his quiet and reflective moments, he's spending his time planning bad things that he might do. He plots wickedness. That sort of reminds us of how the world was back in the days of Noah. Remember in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, where it says, 
all the thoughts of, of man's heart were only evil continually. That's how bad it had gotten in the days preceding the flood of Noah. Men were just all the time, constantly thinking up evil things to do. Sadly, the world is much like that today. And godless people are of that sort. They, they plot and plan the wickedness that they, that they might do. Instead of that, we ought to be as Psalm 63 verse 6 says, I will remember thee upon my bed and meditate upon thee in the night watches. The godless person, even when he's got his head on the pillow at night, is thinking up evil to do. We should do the opposite, obviously. And even when we're resting at night, be thinking of God and his will. This godless individual sets himself on a path not good. He pursues a perverted course. Now, I think the key here is that that these godless people actually pursue an evil course. They're looking. They're determined. They're setting themselves on a path of evil. You know, this is not the description of someone who does something wrong, but just sort of does it by accident. Uh, This is describing someone who actually plans and purposes and determines to do evil. He follows evil by design and intention. It is his agenda to do bad. Now, sadly, people get in that path, and that's what happens if we're not careful. In Psalm 1, there's a description of sort of the progressive nature of sin. Psalm 1 verse 1 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Notice, he walks, he stands, he sits. That's that's what happens, sort of the progression of sin. And evil people pursue that sort of a course. Again, a description of the godless man. And finally, in these several verses from Psalm 36... The last phrase is that he does not despise evil. He tolerates evil. I think there's an important point for all of us. If you don't hate evil, then you'll be overtaken by it. And really, if we love God, we have to hate evil. Uh, In Romans chapter 12, verse 9, it says, Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Psalm 97 verse 10 says, Ye that love the Lord, hate evil. If you love the Lord, then you hate evil. And that, and therefore it would not be so that we would be of the mindset to say, well, I, I don't see anything wrong with it. Someone mentions some wickedness or ungodliness. And we say, oh, well, I don't really see anything wrong with it. No, you have to. If it's evil, if it's described in the Word of God as evil, you can't tolerate evil. If you're going to be a godly person, because the godless man tolerates evil. And so I think there's a, a, a pretty interesting description there just in those four short verses of what the godless man is like. Why would we even describe that? Well, because these, this, this is teaching from the negative point of view all things that we want to avoid, right? All right, now... That's Psalm 36. I think, interestingly, the very next psalm, Psalm 37, describes the godly man. Now, this is a longer psalm, and we're just going to pick out a few verses from the context. Psalm 37, beginning verse 23, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. 
Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. The law of the Lord is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. So, what would we say now? Now, on the positive side, what are some of the descriptives of a godly man? I want it to be true of me. We should all want these descriptives to be true of us. First of all, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. He, he has his life in order, and that order that is in his life is as dictated by the Word of God. He has his life in order. He's not live, the godly man is not a man who wants to live with no rules. You know, that, that, there's too many people who've decided, what I really want to do is just do what I want. I don't want to be inhibited by any rules. No rules. That's what I'm at. No. The godly man realized that he needs to have his life ordered, that he needs rules. It's not his own rules, it's God's rules. He cares about God. He cares about what God wants. He's taken, the godly man has taken the time to learn what God wants from him, and he has submitted himself to that. His life is ordered by God. The godly man has the good sense to know, as Deuteronomy 6 verse 24 says, that the commandments of the Lord are for our good. When we're told to do something in the Word of God, it's there because it's in our best interest. The godly man is smart enough to realize this. The godly man is smart enough to realize that when God has given him rules, the rules to order his life by, those rules are not harsh or mean or terrible. John, 1 John chapter 5, verse 3 says, This is the love of God that we keep His commandments. His commandments are not grievous. God does not ask us to do terrible, horrible, distasteful things. He's actually given us rules to live by, as we said, in our best interest, and they're not grievous or difficult or overbearing. The, good, the godly man lets his life be ordered by those kinds of instructions. We often reference 1 Timothy 4, verse 8, which says that godliness is profitable all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. The godly man knows that. Living the way that God says is good for me now and in eternity. And so the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Now, here's something interesting to consider. Who is the he right here? Well, obviously the translators here thought it was God. I think it's God too. It could be read, the steps of good man are ordered by the Lord and he, the good man, delights in his way. But I actually think that the steps of good man are ordered by the Lord and God delights in his way. God delights in what that godly man does. That that would be borne out by Psalm 1, verse 6, which says, The Lord knoweth the way of the righteous. So the Lord is observing. The Lord is aware. He, he knows what this godly man is doing, and he approves of it. And so, again, I think the he here who takes delight in what the godly man is doing is God himself. The godly man receives God's approval. Proverbs 15, verse 3 says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. So, sometimes when we talk about God is everywhere, God knows everything, God sees everything, our emphasis is on, if you do bad, you better be aware of the fact that God sees that, He's aware of that. Certainly true. 
But the other side of that is God sees the good that we do too. And when we do good and when we live for Him, God delights in that. And so the godly man gains God's approval. In James chapter 2, verse 24, we read that Abraham was called the friend of God. Obviously, it was because he allowed himself and his life to be ordered by God's instructions. He did what God said. Were there failings? Yes, he failed sometimes. But, but his overall course was to live for God, and God called him his friend. Would the same be said of us? Are we living in such a fashion that we would be identified as the friend of God? The next phrase says, Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. All right. Now, understand that the godly person sometimes makes mistakes. Notice, we said we're describing the godly man here. We're not describing the perfect man. If we were describing the perfect man, we'd have a single case to talk about, right? We would talk about Jesus himself as the perfect. We're not talking about the perfect man. We're talking about a godly man. We can achieve this. We won't be able to achieve the perfection that Jesus did, sinlessly perfect, but we can attain to being godly individuals. But for godly individuals, it's possible that from time to time we will err and fall. The Apostle Paul was aware of that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, he said, I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Paul knew he, was, he had to constantly work at that. He might fall. Galatians 5, verse 4 says that you can fall from grace. And so the godly person can fall, but God does not cast him away. God has made provision for us to be restored when we fall. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, the Apostle John, get this, the Apostle John includes himself. If we confess our sins, John says, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I think that's very much the same statement that we're reading here in the psalm. God will not cast us away. If we fall, and sometimes we will, God does not cast us away, but it actually has made provision for us to come back to him and receive forgiveness. We won't take the time to read in Acts chapter 8, but we remember in Acts chapter 8, beginning in verse 21, a man named Simon, Simon the sorcerer, although he had become a Christian, he subsequently sinned. He was taught to repent and pray God for forgiveness. God provides a a means. He does not cast us away. Again, we're not perfect. We're not saying we're perfect. And we will sometimes fall. But when we do, God does not cast us away. God loves us. God provides a means for us to be restored. And then finally, the godly man keeps God's law in his heart. The law of God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. I want to draw your attention to this expression here. None of his steps shall slide. That's kind of interesting. Uh, If we went back to the book of Hosea in chapter 4, It describes the nation of Israel in the days of the prophet Hosea. Israel slideth back as a backsliding heifer, the prophet said. So Israel was sliding, sliding in a bad direction. Why was that? Well, earlier in the chapter, chapter 4, verse 6, the prophet said, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And so the reason why they were sliding and sliding backward, not doing well, is because they had not 
attained the knowledge of God's will. They hadn't applied themselves to know what God wanted for them in their lives. They were sliding. They were backsliding. Well, the godly man does not slide back because he keeps God's law in his heart. That is so important. We, We stress Bible study so much, and this is the reason why, so that as we keep God's law in our heart, constantly learning and being reminded of the truths of God's word, it keeps us on the godly path. Psalm 119 verse 11 says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. I don't want to sin against God. What keeps me from doing that? Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And so the godly man keeps God's law in his heart. And so we've got a description here in two uh, Psalms, 36 and 37. 36 describes the godless man. 37 describes the godly man. Something to learn from both, I think. Obviously, here's where we want to be. What about you? There's a, you are developing a reputation. And someone, if asked to describe you, how would they describe you? You know, we start out by talking about the, 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 the guy who robs the convenience store and the surveillance video, and we're going to get his identifying characteristics so we can find this guy. What would be the identifying characteristics for you if someone were to describe you, would, would you be on that side of the scale where, well, he's, he's a pretty godless individual? No. Hopefully we want to be on that side of a godly person uh, who's, who understands and knows God's will and lives by it. What about you this morning? Are you living for God? Could you be honestly described as a godly individual? We hope that's the case. Certainly the God, godly person will submit himself to God's plan. Initially, that means obeying that simple gospel plan of salvation. Hear, believe, repent, confess, and be baptized. If you've not done that, but you desire to do that, we'd be anxious to assist in your obedience today. We'd also be glad to study more with you and help you in making that decision. Let us know. If you're a Christian already, but you have fallen, we talked about that a minute ago. God makes a provision for you to come back to him in repentance, confession, and prayer. If we can help you in that way, we want to as well. Let us know how we can help while we stand and sing.